There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Helping us move from awareness to action this week is Khalid Al-Maskari, the CEO of HIMS. They're the developers of Axiom Software. Welcome, Khalid. Thank you, George. It's great to be here, and thank you for having me. Yeah. So excited to, to learn about you and the technology and the problems you're working to address. I think that's probably a good place to get started is – just tell us about the problems that you're working to address and what it is that you all do. Absolutely. So we're in the, in the electronic health record, the EHR business. We have a, a platform called Axiom. It is geared towards integrated healthcare providers. So these are healthcare providers that uh, work with serious mental illness, uh, general mental health, and substance abuse patients. When I first started, um, Many years ago, after I finished my college degree, I was going to get a master's program, into the master's program, but I got a call to do a consulting gig. It was supposed to be a three-week um, consulting service for a behavioral health organization. And at the time, I didn't know really much about behavioral health, how it's different than, than physical health and some of, the, uh, some of the issues that are there. But the three-week after the first week, um, the IT director uh, resigned, and then uh, the CEO of the company asked me if I wanted to join long-term as an employee, and I accepted that offer. So at the time when we, when I was working for the behavioral health organization, I got to meet and talk to a lot of healthcare providers, and healthcare, George, especially in behavioral health, it's not just the doctors, doctors, nurses, case managers, therapists, counselors, everybody. And at that time, we talked a lot about the technology that is being used and how difficult it is to accomplish the things that they need to do, which is look after patients and treat patients and spend most time with, with, the, with the, the population that they work with and how technology is making it harder for them to do that. So after a lot of discussion and a lot of questions, I felt and I believed that I, I could provide a better solution for that specific sector of the healthcare industry. And then over the years, the the mission was to make it a lot easier for the clinical staff to connect directly with their patients rather than being hindered by the administrative tasks that come with a technology that was supposed to help the process, but in the created a lot more complexity to that process. Well, I appreciate that. And it's, it's always interesting how we get involved with certain things and you uh, had the opportunity to do uh, some consulting work. It was supposed to be a three-week project and it turned into uh, it turned into a, a, I don't want to call it a calling or put words in your mouth necessarily, but it turned into uh, an entire business. So I think that that's pretty cool. Do you, do you have a sense of when we're talking about a patient working or working with uh, a behavioral health clinic or, or hospital, how many parties are involved, like from a doctor, nurses, social workers, caseworkers? Sure. So it's a clinical team. And um, just a, a quick background, many years ago, 
behavioral health services were separate and independent of physical health. So if a patient wanted to go see a psychiatrist, they would go to a behavioral health organization. And then if they wanted to go for to see their PCP primary care physician, they would go to physical health. About seven years ago, um, the federal mandate that required that both get integrated so you could go to the same place, receive both behavioral and physical health services. And that has helped in many ways bridge the gap between the patients uh, having multiple appointments, going to different locations, and then also the information not being integrated and connected. Um, essentially, with providers, there are many different types of providers and roles that, that work with, uh, with behavioral health patients. So case management and clinical care is a very core component of those services. And then with that, you are also able to work with, um, with groups. So you, you go to groups, there are psychiatrists, there are nurse practitioners, there are nurses and office managers and also PCPs. So it's a, it's a full team of providers that work with, uh, with patients to provide the, the best care for them. Got it. Okay, and it sounds like it sounds like you mentioned uh, within recent the past ten years or so that the physical care and then the behavioral care were able to merge, which is probably probably a big step in the right direction. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I I did not realize all the different parties and all the different, for lack of a better term, moving parts that go into doing a good job for patients when they need it. Um, is is I, I, I guess technology is one of the big barriers to uh, to having more efficient, streamlined care. Is it also legislation, which 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 is and 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 privacy laws, which have made this challenging, or what 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 are some of the other challenges? Yeah, the, the, when when the integration started, a lot of the licensing and legislation were not ready for that integrated care. So one of the difficulties and challenges for behavioral health organizations that wanted to be in the forefront of the integration is that the rules were making it harder for them to do that. For example, there were some requirements to have two different entrances and two different receptions, one for physical health and one for behavioral health. Even though even though that agency was considered an integrated healthcare, they still had to rebuild and reconfigure their clinics. Fortunately, that has is no longer the case, but that was one of the examples that made it a little bit more difficult to do the things that made sense, both in um, technology, technology-wise and also from a patient uh, clinical care and quality, quality of care. The other, the other obstacle is also the electronic health record. So um, back in the 1970s when EHR started, the goal and the purpose of them was to make it easier for providers and, and uh, patients to connect. So that way the information is documented, billing is done correctly, and then there's historical information rather than relying on paper. But with a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different things happened through the past 40, 50 years where they, a, lot of, a lot of things were added to make the, the entire process more complex. So right now, for example, um, many of the providers are concerning about how long it takes to do anything using an electronic health record. And some of them are really longing for the old days when paper was, was making it so much easier to focus on patients. 
Um, so that's one of the obstacles that are that have been created. Although the intention was really good intention, it created a lot more issues. And what we're trying to do is solve that problem by making it a lot easier to focus on patients and not have a technology and EHRs be the center of uh, the services that are being provided. That's interesting. So if, if I'm hearing you right, there are some people that would just say, you know what, it would be better if I just had one file for, for every patient and we would just have to worry about that and making sure that it traveled with the patient, for lack of a better term, everywhere he or she went. All the technology, which is supposed to have made things better, made things a lot harder. Right. So, so that, that that's one of the one of the issues and challenges that we have. But the technology exists, George. So, so the, the the challenge is not that the technology is not there, just the the use and the implementation over the past uh, many years that made it a lot more difficult and challenging to get back to what makes sense. But um, artificial intelligence is one of the areas where where we're really focusing on to make it easier for for patients and provide healthcare providers to connect, and then doing exactly what papers like the days when when paper was there is that the computer is there to listen and to do the administrative tasks, and the healthcare provider is there to actually actually talk to the patient and focus on the services that they're providing. So technology exists that would make it much better and a lot more efficient to provide the services. And that's one of the things that we're really passionate about and focused on. Got it. Well, that certainly makes sense. So when you say artificial intelligence is there to to help the doctor be able to focus on patient, what what does that specifically mean? Like how, how is artificial intelligence being used? Right. So, so artificial intelligence has um, been around for a few years now. Some of it is being used in sur- uh, surgeries, and some of it is being used um, treatment plans. And some of it, which is the stuff that we're doing right now, we're using it to lower the administrative tasks that healthcare providers are doing. So an example, a provider doesn't have to write a progress note or a medical note. If there's a technology that exists, that could simplify that process. Or another example, a patient's no-show, especially in behavioral health, is very high. So about 40% or close to 40% of all uh, patient visits for behavioral health are no-shows. The technology exists to actually dig deeper into that and find out what are the reasons behind it and what is the confidence level of patients coming into their appointments and also the triggers that we could provide for the healthcare providers to do and to talk to the patients so that way they decrease that no-show rate. My goodness, 40% of appointments are, are no-shows. What a hard way to, to if you're a provider, if, if you're a physician, to uh, try to manage your time. Right. Plus, um, the, the, the population that, that um, those providers work with, they're really in need of these services. Yeah. And um, it's making it harder and more difficult for them to receive it. The technology, this is where technology shines. We do have, through artificial intelligence, ways of finding out, for example, does it make sense to have that appointment in the morning or the afternoon? Does it make sense for the reminders to go a day or two or three? What kind of reminders they should be? And then how do you track it? How do you know that, that the likelihood of that, of that uh, appointment be completed is there? And also the power 
of artificial intelligence machine learning is that the more you use it, the, the better it becomes. So there, there's great promise in using this technology to improve some of these outcomes. Got it. I'm, I'm fascinated by listening to, to people who are experts in their field. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just curious because you're obviously an expert in the field and you're also an entrepreneurial person. Um, all that being said, with, with, with the technology, it seems like it's probably changing and learning on its own. How, how are you able to, to look at a problem and then just know about the different solutions that are available? And do you then just figure out how best to implement them and stay on top of, of the changes as they happen? Right. So one of our core values is listening to our customers. And um, the beauty of it is that they may, they may not have the solution right here, or they may have some solutions that work. But what we do is we listen to everything that we're being uh, told. We do a lot of listening. And then internally, we have the expertise. One of the things that we did at HIMS is um, all of our staff have a clinical background. So we get that information, we absorb it, we discuss it, we come up with a solution that makes sense, and then we also push that solution in a beta version to some of our customers and some of the consultants that we have to see what they think about it before rolling it out, before making it part of the, part of the software. So the most important thing for us is to listen to the pain points are, and then internally be able to go and spend a lot of time talking about it, discussing it, and then with our technology, technology background as well, and then um, being able to, to basically marry to the, the pain point from the behavioral health, integrated healthcare issue, and then the technology that exists to actually resolve that issue or either eliminate it or reduce the, reduce the cost. Uh, of having that issue and then testing it with our consultants and our customers and then pushing it, uh, pushing it as, a, as an actual solution in, in the platform, in the acting platform. Got it. Nice. And how long have you been working to develop uh, Axiom as it is today? So we started the company in August 2014. It's been five years. And as, as you know, software is never completed or finished. They're just different version of the software. So we've been um, I've been doing this for over 15 years. But uh, as as uh, HIMS, we've been in the business for five years, and then um, and then we do we do buy monthly publishes. So every two weeks we push a new a new um, uh, a new feature or an update that we keep doing. But our the way that we see ourselves that we're the most patient receiving the services and healthcare providers providing the services. And we really like work in the background, looking at what those issues are and what the pain points are, and then coming up with the solutions that help bridge that those issues. Got it. Well, that makes sense. So since 2014, five going on six years now, which probably sounds crazy to you, probably seems like it's gone by <laughs> in the blink of an eye, or it feels like it's been 50 years. <laughs> But <laughs> one of the questions we'd like to ask are what are the top three things you've learned over the past three years? Um, so there are a lot of things that, that um, I'm fortunate to learn over, over the years. And then um, healthcare, the health and 
well. Um, pick three, but if I were to pick three, I would say the first one is, is uh, know your purpose. The purpose is, is everything. Um, there are days when it's really difficult to actually, um, you know, remember and, and, and kind of feel passionate about it. Sometimes you have to force yourself to understand that although today is a really difficult or challenging, there's a purpose to what we're doing. And part of that as well, it's not just the purpose that you have, it's the purpose that you could bring and talk to the entire company. Everybody that, that you work with that has to feel that purpose and have to understand it and be passionate about it. And they could, they could make it their own. So it, without a purpose, you won't succeed. Another thing that, that I've mentioned before and um, is, is listening, um, in, in listening a lot more than talking. A lot of times as technologists and then as entrepreneurs, uh, sometimes we, we talk a little bit more than we, we should be. In my opinion, there are times when you can, it makes sense to do a lot of talking and discussion. There are times when you need to listen. The most important thing is listening to your customers, listening to what the market is saying, and then absorbing that and focusing on creating solutions based on those issues that you, that you hear. And then, and then the last thing is, is asking for help. Sometimes, when I, especially when I first started, I felt that I had to have all the answers and that as a leader, you're supposed to have that. Unfortunately, that's not, not the case. A lot of times asking people that you connect with, it doesn't matter if they're your best friends or they're, uh, your colleagues or people that you've met, asking for help presenting questions. People are really willing to help and to answer the questions and give you a different perspective uh, of what they feel is important. And that's one of the, one of the best things that I've learned over the fa- uh, past few years is that it's okay to not know everything. And it's really important to ask questions. Even when you think you know the answer, it's always nice to ask questions. You don't have to ask only certain people. You can be comfortable and open to asking different people's uh, different people about the things that, that are important to you. Well, I think that those are all excellent pieces of learning right there. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's so much value in having the right, knowing the right questions and then having the the confidence and I guess, I don't want to call it lack of ego, but just the ability to ask those questions and then listen, knowing that other people might have a uh, a better answer or something you haven't thought of, so I appreciate that. And we were given two ears and one mouth for a reason, and sometimes we do forget that. <laughs> and, 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 and and yes, knowing your purpose and keeping that in front of you, top of mind, and then reminding yourself of that. Um, I think that that's something that we we all need to do a better job of, because you're going to hit adversity and you're going to hit bumps in the road and it'll be that purpose and the values and everything else that, uh, that, 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 that carry you through those tough times. So thank you for sharing those. Um, so tell us, uh, tell us who, 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 who your end users are and, and how people can get involved with you. Um, so we, we are an electronic health record uh, platform. Axiom is the product that we developed. It's um, the way that we developed it, understanding understanding the 
healthcare industry and how it's evolving. I've been doing this for many years, every year, and almost feel sometimes every week there's something new that has um, been um, discussed that needs to be implemented yesterday. So what we did with the Action Platform is we made sure that it's both configurable and customizable to allow it to scale, not just for us as a company, but for the healthcare organizations that use it. So we're, um, we really deeply care about the success of the healthcare providers. Um, what we do is we provide software for integrated healthcare, and right now we're looking at expanding to the 50 states. We started in Arizona, and um, our goal is to to scale to be able to provide um, this electronic health record to the, to the rest of the United States. Well, I love it. I think that uh, it must not be the easiest thing in the world to try to get your arms around how how to go about doing that. <laughs> right, yeah. No, it, it really is, is not. It's, it's challenging, and there are a lot of solutions out there. Like I mentioned, the EHR industry is mature in over 40 years. There's some some big um, big vendors that have been around for many years, but then with some of that, some of the innovation and the technology and the use of it kind of becomes it becomes less of an innovative an innovation and more of staying the course. So what we're trying to do is our focus and our purpose it is to transform the, the experience of using um, electronic health records for integrated healthcare. And what we're focusing on is not just the, a single provider because there are different roles. So our focus is on how to make it easier for an office manager to do what they need to do all the way to how, how do we make it easier and more efficient uh, to a doctor who has 40 appointments a day to not stay uh, late at night until 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning trying to document. And that's really what motivates us. That's what our purpose is, is finding, using the technology and the tools that we have to make it easier for the people that use our product. Got it. You just made me glad that I'm not a doctor who has 40 different appointments a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, and, and you have to have an appreciation for that too. And I think over time that became really important because it's, it's not easy. The work that they do and then the population that they have to work with, a lot of the legislation and the requirements and the metrics and the changes that happen almost on a daily basis, it does give you an appreciation to what they do uh, across like nurses and case managers, everybody else. And that's why our motivation is to make sure that the, the, the platform, acting platform that they're using, it actually make it a lot easier and, and dare I say, even more fun. That's our goal is to make sure that they actually connect to it and see it as a, as a really good tool to help them do the things that they need to, to accomplish. Well, I think that that is incredibly valuable and worthwhile work that you're doing to help the people who are serving uh, some of the people, the most at-risk people in, 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 in our culture and and even hopefully making it fun the process, which is, of course, secondary to uh, to the rewarding work that they're doing. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not having fun, then then maybe it's not worth doing. But anyway, so where how 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 can people find you? Um, well, we are on Twitter and, and Facebook and the Internet. Um, it's at HIMS and um, our website is www.hmsfirst.com. It's HIMSfirst.com? 
um, hmffirst.com. hmffirst.com. Perfect. Well, Khalid, thank you so much for, uh, for, for, for coming on the show. Anything else you'd like to share? Um, no, that's it. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was fun, and uh, thanks again. Yeah. And thanks, as always, for listening. I will uh, link to all the locations where you can find Khalid and HIMS and Axiom in the notes of the show. And as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.